ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌನತ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಓಂ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾಲಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯೇ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇರಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾವಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ವೋಕೇಶನ್ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಶ್ರೀಹರಿ ಪರಮಾನಂದ ಉಪದೇಷ್ಟಾರೀಶ್ವರಂಕಾರಣೂತಿರ್ವೈ ರೋಚತೆ ಮೋಕ್ಷಸಿದ್ಧೇವ ಪ್ರಯತ್ನ ಸ್ವರ್ಣಾಶ್ರಮಧರ್ಮೇಣ ತಪಸಾ ಹರಿತೋಷಣ ಸಾಧನ ಚೈರಾಗ್ಯಾಚಷ್ಟೂ ವೈರಾಗ್ಯ ವಿಷಯೇಶ್ವನೋಕಾಕವಿಷ್ಠಾ ವೈರಾಗ್ಯಂ ತದ್ಧಿರ್ಮಲ ನಿತ್ಯಸ್ವೀಪೇಶ್ಚಯ ಸಮೇಕೋ ವಸ್ತು ಸವೈ ಸವೈ ವಸ್ತು ಸಮ್ಯಕ್ ವಿವೇಕ ಸಮ್ಯಕ್ ವಿವೇಕ 
ಸಂಶಯಾದಿ ಶೂನ್ಯೋ ನಿಶ್ಚಯ ಈ ಕನ್ವಿಕ್ಷನ್ ವೇರ್ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಡೌಟ್ಸ್ ಎರಾಲ್ ವಿ ಡೂ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಕನ್ವಿಕ್ಷನ್ಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ but about certain things you know doubts are very limited does it also uh, is it also to be included should we not desire that also so sometimes we may have a conviction in general but there can be few things that can come in the way you mean uh, detachment from my spouse also is that what you mean you know so some strong attachments and cause this kind of doubts so samik viveka hai viveka here is a nischaya a conviction which is devoid of any doubts that atmavastu only self or atma is arnitya vastu is nitya is permanent eternal infallible trustworthy drishyam tad viparidagam whatever is drishyam whatever is perceived whatever is object is opposite of that meaning anityam so is anityam is tad viparigam atma is nitya opposite of that is anitya so whatever is object drishyam whatever is subject to drishya meaning subject to being objectified so whatever can be objectified is invariably anityam or impermanent the objectification means perceiving through sense organs or comprehending through mind that's how all over darshanam so darshanam means our knowledge perception it all arises on the basis of the experience and knowledge that we gain at the level of senses the level of mind understand senses are extremely limited eyes can see all right but then cannot see the waves below certain frequency above certain frequency ears are wonderful cannot hear below and above certain meaning that they are all limited and mind also is limited so whatever can come within the scope of the mind or intellect or sense organ is going to be limited <coughs> so drishyam whatever can be objectified is impermanent this has to first happen that the whole universe can be objectified you know look at but then the whole universe is impermanent because it had a beginning is going to have an end is perishable and that being the case is impermanent the swamini universe lasts for millions and millions of years still it will have an end even swarga also heaven can be there for a long time and brahmaloka can be there for trillions of years the whole cycle of creation is still impermanent and there is a conviction that i do not want what is impermanent because desiring impermanent or having any kind of attraction or value for impermanent deprives me of permanent because in my mind a value or desire for permanent and impermanent they cannot coexist one is at the 
exclusion of the other. Therefore, whenever I'm, I desire something which is impermanent, however exalted it is, however long-lasting it is, it would deprive me of the permanent, which is really what I want. So impermanent will desert me someday because disappointment, disillusionment. And therefore, I have nothing to do with it, I don't want it. Now, see, when they talk of Vairagya, they always talk of sense objects. But Vairagya also, if you listen to the saints, listening to bhajan, is a chakame nahi koi apna, so Kabir would say that there is nobody who is mine in this whole world. Bhai chhoda, bandhu chhoda, chhoda saga, sohi. Mirabai would say that if you are my bhai, brother, relatives, and, you know, friends, everything I have given up. Mother and father, everything I have given up. Meaning, Vairagya includes that also, which is not very evident from this. Looks like Vairagya seems to only address itself to objects of pleasure at the level of senses, at the level of mind. But then, there is also a pleasure coming from the emotional gratification. Sensuous gratification, one gratification. But emotional gratification, different gratification. So, ideally, of course, all those what to whom I am connected emotionally. So, Lord Krishna says, Anavishvangaha putradara gruhadishu Asaktihi Anavishvangaha Putradara Gruhadeshu. Putra means son. Dara means spouse. Gruha means house and so forth. Adishu. So all those insentient and sentient entities with whom I have emotional connection. With house, emotional connection. With spouse, of course. With children, of course. So, Anabhishvangaha, as a value, Lord Krishna says that freedom of excessive attachment to this, to begin with. Because there is likely to be excessive attachment for those with whom I had a long association, upon whom I have depended all the time for my well-being and security and sense of feeling good whom I have looked upon as a source of my comfort and happiness and love for a long time, is not only an attachment, but excessive attachment. So, Anabhishvangaha, become free from the excessive attachment. Retain only attachment which does not cause a non-binding relationship, non-binding affection or non-binding attachment. So Lord Krishna does not say, I mean, Vedanta will say you cut off with everybody. It is Lord Krishna to begin and says that. Have a non-binding attachment to all those who are very close to you. And ultimately, of course, the idea of Vairagya is basically simple. The knowledge of the self can take place provided the mind is centered on the self. Mind is our instrument of knowledge. 
and whatever it is that we want to know, we have to focus, direct our mind to what we want to know and focus our mind with that. So here, it is the self that we want to know. Therefore, the mind must be directed to the self as well as focused upon the self. Now the mind cannot be direct to self as long as it's always wandering in non-self. Why is the mind wandering in non-self? Because of raga and duration. And excessive value it has given to something. Or the opposite of that, which are all due to projections of the mind. So vairagya means freedom from raga and duration. That release my mind from the pull of the external things. And that's how then alone the mind can be directed towards the self. So primarily, all these values are told to us in the context of knowledge, understand. All values for self-knowledge. And self-knowledge can take place provided the mind is number one. In knowing more and not doing more, any knowledge or perception can take place when only the mind becomes free from doing more. I can even perceive an object such as this, provided at that time, my mind is not doing anything, looking around, whatever. Mind is steady at that moment. So knowledge requires a mind which is free from the doing more, becoming more, achieving more, acquiring more, understand, even ordinary perception also. So that's the reason why they talk of sannyasa, all doing, acquiring, possessing, all is given up. Because we always take sannyasa in its in the form, form, you know, and you know, deserting people. But it is, all of these values are simply for knowledge. Knowledge of self requires a mind, which directed to self, and focus upon the self at the exclusion of everything else. Any kind of perception can take place provided my mind at that moment is free from other preoccupations. So in a flower also I can perceive provided at that time my mind is not wandering, is not concerned about other things, then only I can perceive the flower. So I can perceive the self when the mind is free from all other occupations. That's all that is intended here by these values. There's no intention of deserting anybody, walking away. This is how you normally interpret it. Sannyasa is interpreted as being selfish and getting away, this, that, whatever it is. Vairagi is also sometimes misunderstood as being indifferent, as being callous, as being whatever. None of like that. All these have only one purpose, is to help us acquire a mind which is a learning mind and finally a seeing mind. First learning mind so that when I expose this mind to the teacher, it is a learning mind and has no other agenda. And finally it becomes a mind which is seeing mind with no other agenda. Meaning that the mind should become ultimately free from all its preoccupation. To know the self must become free from non-self. Right now that doesn't happen because there is this Raghadveshas for the non-self. That is why Vairagya, freedom from 
Raghat Dvesha's attachment aversion for the non-self. Simple as that. We need not add any emotions into all this stuff, you know. Because very emotional issue. But this is a very objective issue. And the purpose is very simple. To have a mind which is an abiding mind, which is a mind which is ready and equipped to see the self. So Viveka and Vairagya too are described. Third is the Shamadi Shatka Sampatti. Sampatti is the wealth. Shatka Sampatti a group of sixfold inner wealth. Shamadi beginning from Shama or tranquility of the mind. So Shama, Dhamma, Uparati or Uparama, Tidiksha, Shraddha, Samadhanam. This is called the Sixfold wealth, it, it comes from some place. It comes from the Burhadayanik Upanishad. Shanto, Dhantaha, Uparataha, Tidikshu, Shraddha, Vitto, Bhutva, Atmani, Atmanam, Pashyari. Upanishad says that one is Shantaha, enjoying Shama. Dhantaha, enjoying Dhamma. Uparata, enjoying Uparati. Titikshu enjoying Titiksha. Shraddha Vita having wealth of Shraddha. So there is one reading that, see, Brahadarani Gopanishad is, is in the Shukla Yajur Veda. Shukla Yajur has two recensions the Kanva recension and the Madhyanyana recension. Well, there is some difference, you know, in the, in the text here and there. So, Gurudharani Kupani is found in both the recensions, with some differences here and there. The one that we are studying is the Gurudharani Kupanishad, found in the Kanva recension, because that is what upon which, that's upon which Vashyakara is written by, because he must have belonged to that shaka. Anyway, other recension is the Madhyandhira, which is a slight different reading. Shanto, Dantaha, Uparataha, Tidikshuhu, Samahito Bhutva. So they mention, each one mentions five. But they differ from each other in one. So four are common. One mentions Shraddhavita, other mentions Samahita. So they combine both of them. That's how they came with the six, you know. Shantaha, Shama. Dantaha, Dhamma. Uparataha, Uparatihi. Titikshu, Titiksha. Shraddhavito, Shraddha. Samahito Samadhan. The idea is that all of this has its source in the Upanishad. It is compiled from various places in Upanishad. Like Mundoka Upanishad says, Parikshalokan, Karmachadan, Brahman, that's an expression of Viveka and Vairagya. How Viveka brings about Vairagya. <coughs> So this qualification that are stated here have their source ultimately in the Upanishads. They are not the figment of imagination of somebody. But then, then only they can be called then only we can rely upon that. We can rely upon something only when ultimate source is Vedas. So next come the Samadhi, the sixfold wealth, which Shama is first. Tranquility of mind is the first value. So it really becomes nine values, you know. 
six values are called one. And the other three, so you can add up to nine if you want to. But still, all the six values are grouped as one. That's how they are found in the Upanishad. So we go to verse number six. The way we define these things in their own way, understand. So this text defines Shamadama in its own way. So let us look at that. Sadeva Vasana Tyagaha Shamoya Mirishabditaha Nigraho Bhakya Vrittena Sadaeva Sadaeva all the time. Vasana Tyagaha Tyagaha the giving up of Vasana the abandonment of the Vasana. What is Vasana? Vasana is the subtle state of a desire. Every thought, before it becomes manifest in our mind, is in the form of a samskara or impression. So thought, before it becomes manifest in the mind, is already present as an unmanifest thought, before it becomes manifest. Like the ornaments, they are in the form of the lump of gold, which potentially contains all the ornaments. Because if it is not potentially there, even a goldsmith also cannot make out of it. A goldsmith also cannot make idli out of gold, you know. Potentially not there. Or cannot a pot maker cannot make gold ornaments out of that because it's potentially not there. So something can become manifest provided it is there in the unmanifest state, number one. The manifest state is called effect or karya. Unmanifested is cause or the karma. So it is karma or the cause, then it becomes karya, manifests as the effect. So the thoughts in our mind are all the effects of something. And particularly right now we are concerned about desires or agadvekshas. See, shama and dhamma and Uparati, the first three things are nothing but the Vairagya when it is practiced. So Vairagya is understood is one thing and Vairagya becoming my, my life, becoming me is a different thing. Why is it a different thing? But now I understood that all drishya is all anitya. Sometimes it's called mithya, sometimes it's called anitya. So I realize that what is drishyam, what is an object, what is non-self, cannot give me what I am seeking, therefore I don't want it. However, in our mind we have two faculties. One is called buddhi, other is called mana. Mind in Vedanta is called antahkaranam. Antakaranam has sometimes described as four faculties. Manaha, buddhi, chitta, mahankara. Or sometimes reduced to manaha and buddhi. So let us say that 
we are our mind our personality is buddhi means intellect mana means emotion so we are an emotional being as well as an intellectual being a thinking person a behaving person and a thinking person i am a behaving person and a thinking person my behavior usually is dictated by the various emotions or impulses arising in my mind usually person is an impulsive person he acts according to impulses so raga arises attachment arises he acts accordingly do ever generalize it acts accordingly so this has been the habit all along a habitual faculty and a thinking or knowing faculty this vivek and vairagya have been analyzed they still primarily at the level of intellect the level of understanding the understanding has to become has to be translated into my behavior walk the talk so talk is viveka vairagya and walking is samadhi satka sampatti you to walk the talk meaning whatever it is that is the understanding of my intellect has to come in my behavior understand that it is not the buddhi that interacts with the world what interacts with the world is manaha is the habitual faculty the behaving faculty the reacting faculty the emotional faculty is that which interacts with the world it receives stimuli from the world and again responds to the world in between intellect can come if the mind allows it usually the stimulus similar that come to the mind is referred to the intellect then intellect makes a decision and tells the mind to do a given thing and then mind does ideally so bada swami you said intellect like an officer in the government office mind is like a clerk you know so basically the clerk that interacts with all people who come in you know so he make an application he makes a remark according to that fellow makes a decision you know the officer ultimately depends upon this clerk and so whatever remarks this fellow makes that is the basis of the decision similarly is mind that makes the remarks when i perceive something the mind makes a remark likeable good desirable intellect then makes a decision okay get it fine get it so the mind says undesirable intellect says, okay no so if intellect does has does is dependent upon this mind which often it is then it's the mind that rules the roost meaning there is a mind that controls all our behavior this is the habitual faculty impulsive faculty and most people use are di- dictated by their mind or their impulses meaning that branding something as attached i mean as desirable and undesirable instantaneous we don't even the even a thought is not required i see a person and some reaction arises i even think of person reaction arises and i see something and i want to have it 
So the mind immediately decides, immediately brands. Why is so? Because the habits are already built in them. From the past experiences, there are what we call samskaras and impressions, which have become a habit. There is a channel which is already carved in the mind, and new thoughts will automatically flow through that channel. Therefore, when I see this thing, almost instantaneously, we call it spontaneous, but it's impulsive, not spontaneous. So, impulsively or instantaneously, I say, I love it, I like it. All due to past experiences. I hate it. Again, past experiences. So, since our behavior is like that, even if I are understanding that I should not react, the mind keeps on being, it's a habitual faculty. So, the habits are vasanas. Habit manifests in the mind. But the seed of that habit is called vasana. So, cause of the habit, the seed of the habit, the habit in unmanifest state is called vasana. And usually, because of the vasana, without thinking of the consequences or whatever, I react. All these reactions are due to the vasanas, the already built-in modes of the mind, built-in patterns of thinking, patterns of deciding, patterns of behavior. All the patterns are built-in and usually they are the ones that in fact control what I am. Therefore, I am as good as my vasanas, really. We generally say, so as the mind, so the man, but as the vasana, so the mind, and so the man. You call them vasanas, we don't like that word, called ragadreshans, okay? So vasana is a state, which is the causal state of ragadveshas. So ragadvesha itself is vasana. Those ragadveshas manifest as behavior. And therefore, this text very interesting, this is, Sadeva vasana tyaga. All the time giving of vasanas. Oh, vasana is unmanifest. How can you give it up? Vasana becomes manifest as desire and impulse, whether it is kama, krodha, loba, you know, whether it is anger, lust, greed, whatever, is all result of the built-in pattern which is called vasana. So, sadeva vasana tyaga that we have to ultimately make our mind free from the vasanas. Because as long as the vasanas are there, so long they will continue to dictate my behavior. And therefore, ultimately we have to make our mind free from those vasanas. And the ideally the way to do is to cultivate the opposite vasanas. So if I have the vasana, let us have anger. I get an angry, you know, person we call him, he's an angry fellow. But that's because there is a pattern of anger built into the mind. So then what do we do? The opposite of anger is compassion, is accommodation. Therefore, we deliberately practice kshama, compassion, accommodation, to neutralize the already existing tendency of anger. 
Similarly, for every kind of a negative tendency, its greed, then deliberately entertain contentment, which is the opposite of greed, pratipaksha bhavana. Deliberately entertaining a bhavana or an attitude, which is opposed to that impulsive attitude. <coughs> so this is how vasana tyaga takes place, understand? By deliberately cultivating new asanas, which will combat those things and ultimately root them out. So stronger the old negative asanas are there, greater the effort required to cultivate the positive asanas to neutralize them. Inasmuch as mind is an impulsive faculty, inasmuch as most of my behavior is impulsive or habitual, that means dictated by my vasanas, it is important for me to root out those negative next vasanas that make me extrovert and create vasanas that make the mind introvert. So all these values that we are taught, like ahimsa, amanitvam, adhambitvam, ahimsa, kshantihi, adhyavam, amanitvam, humility, is opposed to arrogance or pride. So pride is an impulse, humility. Adambitvam, the more pretentiousness, Adambitvam, by being honest and not pretending. Ahimsa, a tendency to violate, hurt others, insult them, hurt them. Non-violence, by word and by deed and by thought. Shantihi, Shama, forgiveness, accommodation, again opposed to violence or anger. Arjavam, honesty, straightforwardness, opposed to dishonesty. So these tenets are already built into us and they compel us to behave in certain ways. Yesterday we were talking about compulsions, all these are compulsions which are in the form of this built-in patterns of thinking, built-in patterns, even when decisions also are made habitually. I just decide things. So, even when making decision, I may not always be objective. If my intellect or mind is controlled by all those previous vasanas, they are. When I meet with the person, I always, I already have a preconceived notion of what this way. So, Swami, avoid him. Don't, don't talk to him. Let him go. So Vinoba used to say, wait a minute. And then there's a new person, not a person, yesterday's person. Yesterday it was like that. How do you know it is today also is like that? And they were meet every moment as it is fresh moment. Meet the same person in a fresh manner. Don't this don't judge. Don't Derive a conclusion based on your preconceived notion. That's called judgment. So being non-judgmental, all the values that are taught to us to progressively become free from impulsiveness. So Shama is freedom from impulsiveness. Freedom from all these negative or hurtful tendencies. Tendencies which create conflict in us. 
if you are conscientious people, then create sense of regret, sense of guilt. And so, therefore, in order to become free from that, it deliberate practice of making the mind free from these tendencies. Otherwise, then Viveka Churamara will say, Virajya Vishayarata Dosha Dushtya Muhur Muhu We don't know what vasanas are. So we know that there is a vasana, when that vasana manifests as an impulse. An impulse can be raga or dvesha. So when my mind displays raga dvesha, then I know those vasanas are there. So what do I do? I work with raga dvesha, which are the manifest state of vasana. The manifest state of vasana is raga or dvesha or desires, etc. So, virajya vishayavata dosya dushtya muhurmuhu. When you find that your mind wants something, because it, is a, it has an attachment, it looks upon that as a source of happiness. How do you release your mind from the hold of that object? That object or things right now holding controlling my mind on account of the attachment I have. So Arjuna says, Chanchalaimana Krishna Pramati Balavadrudam. This mind is, you know, I, I can't control because it's controlled by other fellows. On account of my ragadveshas. And so Doshadushtya Mahurmuhu. That liking for that object, the value for that object arose. Because I see some benefits in that, some advantages in that. So, Viveka Shudam would say, may you deliberately see the disadvantages involved in that. When there are advantages, disadvantages are bound to be there. And very often disadvantages are going to be more than advantages. Ultimately, it's mithya. It has no advantage of any kind, really speaking, from Vedantic standpoint. So, the only disadvantage. Dosya dushtya muhur muhu. Let your mind see the price it has to pay, the pain that it's going to bring, the sorrow it will bring, the disadvantage involved. Muhur muhu. By showing the mind once, it won't stop, it wants again. Mom, may I have this candy? No, better. See, you cough and cold, and if you have the candy, then you know, it's not good for you. You'll be coughing more. Mom, may I have a candy? I told you, you know, that your health will be bad. Mom, that fellow doesn't give up. He wants it anyway. Mind is like that. Simply telling the mind once doesn't mean that you convince the mind. Muhur muhu. Again and again, every time comes up with a requirement, make it see, make it see the price or the disadvantage in all that. Because mind is a habit of seeing only one side. See the advantage side and it's attached. Disadvantage side, aversion. It doesn't see the thing in totality. We make the mind see it in totality. That when the rose is there, thorns also are there. When advantage is there, disadvantage is bound to be there. <clears throat> so show the mind, let the mind have it. You know, we don't want to make believe, understand. 
I'm not saying that you show the mind that the dosha is not there. They are always there. It's on the realistic plane we are talking about. And so, dosha dushtya mohurmuhu. So this dosha dushti is pratipaksha bhavana. Because there is guna buddhi, mind sees virtues all the time. Therefore, let the mind also see the opposite of that, which exists there. So thus constantly observing the mind. Vairagya is my value. But because uh, so far the mind has always acted on raga or attachment and aversion, therefore in order to make the vairagya practical, it is going to require a complete transformation of the mind. This is the most difficult thing. This real sadhana is this. Viveka Vairag is all in knowing, all understand, Mithya is there, is all understood. But my intellect says Mithya, mind says real. I want that. Because so far I always got happiness from there. And now you say, no, I have mean you know, I know it is there. So you have to keep on showing it's not there. It's, it's a delusion on your part. Look, in fact, there is unhappiness there. There is sorrow there. Mind is not going to convince right away. So we do it as often as required till the mind is convinced so it doesn't go there. Dosa dushtya mahurmuva So when you find any impulse arising in your mind, every impulse also has an opposite. Like two sides of coin. They bring in the opposite. It's called Pratipaksha Bhavana. If Kama, desire is there, desire is due to Abhiveka, non-discrimination, superimposing value which is not there, so Abhiveka recognizes that that thing doesn't have value. Krodha is anger, comes from intolerance, and therefore tolerance. Be kind. Because it doesn't matter, oh, this person has done this. Don't, doesn't matter. Just be kind to that person. Forgive him. So we have to deliberately do that. The mind still says, I keep on again, and you know, working with my mind. That, that impulse of anger, the habit of anger has to slowly transform into daya, compassion, accommodation. All right, doesn't matter. This fellow is also in pain. The angry person has pain within himself. Because no one will be angry unless something is bothering him. And there is merely a manifestation of what is bothering him inside. Doesn't know how to deal with, so he's just vomiting out before you. So we don't understand the mind. You follow? It doesn't work. So Vedanta is understanding all around. All the values are knowledge in that sense. That we should understand the mind. And with understanding, we have to delicately, no force involved here. Mind is a very delicate instrument. Therefore, patiently we have to do this. <coughs> so this is the shamaha. Mind becomes slowly, shama means quiet, tranquil. So tranquility to the mind is a value. Because the mind is not tranquil, it is extrovert. A tranquil mind is an inward looking mind. Then Dhamma, 
నెక్స్ట్ లైన్ నిగ్రహో బాహ్య వృత్తీనాం దమహిత్య విధీయతే బాహ్య వృత్తీనామే వృత్తి మీన్స్ ప్రవృత్తి వృత్తి మీన్స్ యాక్టివిటీ బాహ్య వృత్తినాగ్రహ నిగ్రహ మీన్స్ రిస్ట్రెయిన్ రిస్ట్రెయినింగ్ ఎక్స్టర్నల్ యాక్టివిటీస్ ఆఫ్ ది సైన్స్ ఆర్గన్స్ సో హూ హూ ఎక్స్ యూ ఐస్ వాంట్ గో టు సమ్ ఆబ్జెక్ట్ ఇయర్స్ వాంట్ హియర్ సమ్థింగ్ అండ్ స్కిన్ వాంట్ టు టచ్ సమ్థింగ్ స్పీచ్ వాంట్ సే సమ్థింగ్ హెండ్ వాంట్స్ టు డూ సమ్థింగ్ లైక్ వాంట్స్ థింగ్స్ లైక్ దాట్ సో దిస్ యాక్టివిటీస్ ఆర్ దర్ ఇంపల్సివ్ యాక్టివిటీస్ మెయిన్లీ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ కామ క్రోధ లో వాయిట్సెట్రా no problem and with the mind the hand goes to caress somebody no problem speech wants to comfort somebody no problem they're all we're talking about the violence involved in our behavior when our behavior is impulsive is likely to be violent it should be curbed must be restrained so restraint of the activities of sense organs nigraha bahya vrittinam such that ultimately mind just doesn't go out so what happens is very often even after reasoning with the mind mind refuses to accept i want to do it i showed all kinds of they are teenagers you know you keep on reasoning with them and half an hour but yeah mom can i have it that's all so sometimes in spite of all the reasoning also it just refuses our mind also may refuse i want it like one of our friends was saying swami ji when his this child he was small he had a younger sister this was a beating beat up his sister you know this child <laughs> so mother used to threaten him when you when you will grow up there will thorns in your palms you know that but i i beat up with the palm thorns <laughs> so this is how people are and so that is then what do you do with that sometimes mind is like that. i want it anyway whether it's good bad i want it because it has been craving for it. there is cravings inside and therefore the palate craves when it sees the food it just craves there is no good is have it no that i know that i want it doctor just told you is no good for you it's poison for you will take more insulin do something so sometimes knowing that this is harmful still the mind wants to do it because the impulse is so strong that it cannot be simply neutralized by reasoning so reasoning is applicable at level of shama or tranquility of mind when reasoning doesn't work then nigraha then you have to restrain that's called damana restrain you can go to clench krishna you know pinch my teeth not going to talk inside the impulse of telling him something no impulse of giving it up you know one punching hold the hands back kicking hold the legs back i want what's going on that no look here so sitting in the class what's happening there no there okay 
the ears are all tuned there, you know. What are they talking? Bhakya Vrittinam. So there are these impulses in the sense organs, built-in impulses, which govern or control the activity of sense organs without our permission. Then you have to be alert. Alert with reference to every activity of the sense organ and when you are convinced that this is harmful, then only. We are not suggesting that you control or you restrain everything. But whenever you find that the mind is about to do something which is harmful, you have to restrain it. So that is not called suppression. That is called restraint or discipline. Suppression is when you do it helplessly. I want this and I am helpless. On the dining table, everybody is sitting there. Swami is sitting there, the host is sitting beside him. And, and, and so there was jalebi and all these sweets are there and he puts in Swami's tray and doesn't give her that out, lady. So why didn't she give to her husband? So no, Swami, he doesn't get it. <laughs> so then I put it in there. She takes it away, and says, no, he, so he cannot get it. So this is our So this is suppression. This fellow is deprived. That is suppressed. We are not talking about suppression. We are talking about discipline. I have value for not indulging and therefore I don't indulge. I want to indulge and I am prevented from indulging. That's called suppression. Then in a dream you will attend the television. You know, poor fellow. That's why he can, he, in waking state, he cannot get anything, that's for sure. <laughs> he can get, he can do something in dream, that's all he can do. <laughs> so, nigraha, bhakya vruttinam, nigraha, nigraha kim nigraha is required. The restraint is required. We don't mean that we should keep on restraining mind only. We require to give also mind some freedom. Some freedom is given and restraint also is done. Freedom is called anugraha, restraint is called nigraha. So anugraha and nigraha. That's the ideal relation, mature relationship. Like a charioteer who is driving the chariot, horses, some anugraha, some lets them run. Nigraha, when the god of discipline, he restrains them. So mind is allowed to go. Even all our relationships should also be like that. Give them freedom doesn't mean that, you know, you give them freedom that, that they will jump into well. That kind of freedom is not given. So we give freedom to the world. What kind of freedom? Not the freedom that will hurt them. The child is not given freedom that to do anything because it, he jumping, no, no, I see your mother, you know, no, no, and that fellow, you know, comes back. He would not listen to him, but this mom, you know, and that fellow just comes back. He wouldn't listen to anybody else, but she's able to restrain him, you know. So, anugraha and nigraha, both are required. But wherever you find that the mind is about to do something that is harmful, there must be the will to restrain the mind. Therefore, discipline in all activities. Yukta har vyaharasya, yukta cheshtasya karmasu, yukta svatna avodasya, yoga bhavati dukkha. Lord Krishna says in ahara, food, vihara, movement, in sleep, 
keeping awake, in every activity always observe a sense of proportion. Always be alert. Always be moderate. Must be sense of proportion. So basically, Dhamma is the control over mechanicalness of the mind. Shama is the control of the mind which has wrong understanding, so controlling with right understanding. And Dhamma is mechanical, even though right understanding is there, still mechanically it does things. So, where the mechanicalness is there, restraint is required. And where wrong understanding is there, right understanding is required. So, Shama is all the time educating the mind, all the time with right understanding. So we understood now Viveka and Vairagya. That's the right understanding. And constantly educating the mind with Viveka and Vairagya. That process called Shama. And when we find that the mind becomes impulsive, mechanical, then comes a restraint. Also comes from a value. Because I have value for restraint. That causes restraint or discipline. Not suppression but discipline. As a result of this, here is a nigra, nishindha pravritti tiraskaraha, preventing the mind from doing something which is prohibited, which is, which is hurtful. <coughs> then continuing, so shama, dhamma, uparama, uparate, titiksha, so next two values are in the next verse. Vishaye vyapara vritti. Paramo parate hisa Sahanam sarva dukkana Titiksha sashuha mata Vishabya paravruti parama uparati hi he is prasiddhebya pandakebya Shabdaribya, Vishaibya, Paravrutti, Nivrutti, Grana Anicha, so Uparati Ruchari. Again, Uparati means what? The abidingness of the mind. Uparati is what? The inwardness of the mind. So in Shama and Dhamma, we have been struck constantly. Striving to make the mind inward. Shama by right understanding and Dhamma by restraint. Been practicing Shama and Dhamma for length of time. Then what happens in course of time, then the mind itself doesn't go out now. When you do the right thing for a long time, then the mind becomes... If you do wrong thing for a long time, the mind does, does wrong things also. But when you do right things for length of time, then also the right thing being nature of mind ultimately. So Shama is nature of mind. Impulsiveness is not nature of mind. It is because of our carelessness, because of wrong values, because of our viveka. But then tranquility is the nature of mind. So once mind becomes tranquil, it remains tranquil. 
So thus we are making the mind tranquil by constant practice of Shama and Dhamma. What will this lead to? Slowly the force of the impulses keeps on decreasing and a time comes when it runs out of all its impulsive steam, you know, and then becomes tranquil. So when mind naturally becomes tranquil, now no effort is required. That state is called uparati. <coughs> because otherwise, vishebhya paravrutti, paravrutti means what? Turning away from the sense objects is uparati. Then there is not much different than that in shama. So shama also is vasana, that's vasana tyaga. But anyway, vasana also is for vishayas. So in this definition, the uparati does not seem to be much different from shama. So we can say that uparati is when the mind is tranquil on its own. So graha anicca, all the impulses of grabbing things, of experiencing things, of enjoying, all of them have gone away. Mind has become free from impulses and therefore it is now on its own avoiding or center on the self. That is why Uparati is different different in different places, you know. For example, Uparati is what Swadharmanishtha is Uparati, that also is said. One text says, Nishtha, avoidance in Swadharma, doing what is right. Now, where is Uparati is the right one? But anyway, so Swadharmanishtha is Uparati. Elsewhere, Sarva Karma Sanyasa, Uparati is renunciation of all the karma, all the duties is Kauparati. So often the word Uparati is interpreted as sannyasa or formal renunciation. Vividisha sannyasa. Sannyasa or the lifestyle of renunciate that we have willingly accepted for a commitment to the pursuit of knowledge. It's called Vividisha sannyasa. So sometimes uparati is defined as sannyasa, but it is vividisha So then uparati is there. If uparati means the turning away from all activities, then all activities are in form of your duties. As long as I am a part of a system, like a family, like the society, a family, when I am a part of that, then I necessarily draw the benefits from it. I become the beneficiary of the warmth and the security that the system offers me. If I am a family, they support me. They do things for me. Because my duty also to, to return the favor. So duty is from the spirit of returning the favor. That is there as long as I am receiving the favor. The only way you can become free from duty is when you stop receiving favors. Although you cannot say that I have given up all my duties, then go home, get out, you know. You can't stay here. I won't do anything. You don't know all right. Then you have no privilege also. People want to enjoy all privilege and then they give up things. That's, that doesn't work. As long as I am enjoying privileges, so long I have obligations. As long as I'm part of a system, I always enjoy the privileges that are offered by the system. 
And therefore, I am bound by duty to their system to return the favor. You cannot cop out. Not according to Vedas. So this is called dharma of the duty. So therefore, it came earlier. So varnashrama, dharmena, etc. So why varnashrama, dharma, etc. The time comes when you to now give up that also, that also is a distracting factor. When your mind has become tranquil, then now all these dharma has done its job, the duty has done its job, when it results into the tranquility of the mind. That's the purpose of the duty, purpose of karma. Having done that, karma has done its job. Now we should give up the karma. But from then on, that very karma becomes an obstacle. Like you have to keep the fire on as long as you are cooking your rice or whatever. So rice is sadhagam, is the means of cooking. I mean, fire is sadhagam, means of cooking rice. Once rice is cooked, if you continue, there is badhagam. Then it hurts that very rice, you follow? All means are like that. All sadhanas are like that. They can become sadhaka and badhaka. So karma or the duty is sadhaka. The means of attaining the tranquility of the mind. But if you continue that, then that becomes badhaka. It disturbs the tranquility. Swami, wait a minute, Swami, I, I, I can't come to the camp. I have this duty, that duty, that, etc. So when the duties are there, you can't do what you want. But now that your mind is tranquil, you want to dedicate the mind, devote the mind to pursuit of knowledge, to shravanam, manam, the duties then, you know, draw your attention. Wait a minute. Cook has not come here, and milkman has not come, and this fellow has not come, and these bells are ringing, and telephones are going on, and there's cooker on the stove, and then four whistles are there, and other. You know, there's no way that the mind can enjoy any kind of tranquility when it is all the time bombarded by all kinds of obligations that the duty calls for. So therefore, a seeker of knowledge is given permission by the scriptures that when a time comes, then you have the freedom to give up the duties and give the privileges, of course. So he doesn't remain in the system. That's why he walks out of the home. Olden day when sannyasa was taken, he used to walk out. It's no part of the family. He has no rights in the family and no one that they don't feed him, nothing doing, you know. He's out. He's not a part of any system. Ideally a sannyasi is not a part of any system. So he's called a wandering monk. Then he is the sky is there, Ishwara is there, you know. That's all. The only thing is Ishwara. Whatever Ishwara gives them, well and good. And so, the prarabdha dictates him now. Vidivasat praptena santushyatam. Now he must go for bhiksha. So bhiksha is allowed for him. Because he has to, you know, the basic desires are there, hunger and thirst, they have to fulfill. See, there is no means now to fulfill those needs on his own. Therefore, there is now a consent. A scripture that, okay, you can go and beg your food. So he is an official or the beggar. Not official beggar. But he is a beggar which has the consent on the scriptures. 
people know this, so they accept. So when a sannyasi comes, they willingly give him the bhiksha. It's their privilege to do that, because that's part of their duty. And earns them punya also. So that is called sannyasa, that's called uparati. So very often uparati is, is explained as karma sannyasa. Is not yet sannyasi in primary sense. Sannyasi in primary sense is only wise person. He is a real sannyasi. So what Swami used to say, a sannyasi used to become sannyasi. Meaning that the Vividisha sannyasi, the one who has taken sannyasa for pursuit of knowledge, has to become a sannyasi by gaining the knowledge and abiding in that knowledge. So Vividisha sannyasa and Vidvat sannyasa. Sannyasa or renunciation by virtue of knowledge. Now that may not, that may not be lifestyle or no kind of, here some disciplines are there, clothes are there, lifestyle is there, what you are supposed to do, not supposed to, etc. Vidvat sannyasa, renunciation by virtue of knowledge, free from all the rules. Sarvathavatamahanapi, sayogi, mahi vartate, Lord Krishna would say, regardless of what he does, he always abides in me. So that's the ultimate sannyasa which comes when all your will, you know, the free will is gone. Lord Krishna is quite clear. Lord Krishna seems to give some kind of, you know, immunity to this person. He can do anything and still it's thought. But Lord Krishna knows. He cannot do anything because the free will is gone. Wisdom means free will is gone. As long as free will is a product of ignorance. And freedom from the need of exercise of free will is only freedom. Free will is, doesn't make me free. Free will is a bondage, understand? Although free will can be expressed as my freedom, but the fact that I need to express my free will shows the bondage. That I, this is my right, this is what I want, this is what I will do. Kartrutva, doership is there. Bhoktrutva, enjoyership is there. all part of will. What is, who is the wise person? No free will. So Lord Krishna knows only a person who has free will can violate the will, can violate the law. There's no free will cannot violate the law. Only human beings can violate the law. Dogs and cats cannot violate the law. Because they don't have free will. So wise person becomes like that. Pashvadi Vishya Visheshat, so says Bhashyakara, he becomes not, not much different from animals, etc. In as much as he is now Animals do not have free will. Wise person free from need of free will, understand? So there's a big difference there. Animals don't have free will. Wise person has grown out of the need for free will. So Lord Krishna knows this. He can do nothing wrong. So he can, in words he says he can do anything. Knows very well he won't do that. So that's called Vidvat Sanyasa. The Sanyasa in the primary sense. The sannyasa the Vedanta teaches. But for that, this, this sannyasa also becomes a means. Sannyasa in terms of giving up all your duties and, and all your relationships and all everything. So that you can enjoy a leisure of the mind. Where the mind is not pulled apart from the needs of various duties, etc., and preoccupations. So giving mind that leisure to pursue the knowledge is the purpose of the sannyasa, nothing else. Again, in, in the context of knowledge, vidisha sannyasa is what? To make it 
convenient for this person to be able to pursue his goal so that he is free from other distractions. <coughs> so, sannyasa is walking away this, that is it. No, but understand all these qualifications, light of knowledge. Knowledge is what? Abidance in the self. How do you get that? By an abiding mind. How do you get that? By making the mind abiding, and an abiding mind as well as a learn, an educated mind. We want an abiding mind as well as an educated mind. Education comes from shravanam, mananam, nididhyasa. So mind must be available for that. So to make the mind available for shravanam, mananam, etc., it should be free from demands of his duties, etc. So just it is a convenient setup. Like a scientist spends whole of his day in his laboratory, like a sannyasi. All fellows who are dedicated to the job are all sannyasis. Really, in that sense. But the doctors are there, artists, whoever they are there, musicians, they, 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 that's all they know. Four o'clock he gets and starts, he starts the you know, music practice, etc. Doesn't bother about what happens to all his surroundings. But anyway, the thing is, where do you see dedication? Absent-minded professor, you know, absent-minded to all this stuff, not to what he's doing. So that element of sannyasa is there in anybody who wants to accomplish something worthwhile. Nothing worthwhile can accomplish unless I dedicate and devote myself to that. That requires me to disengage myself from other things naturally. However, here you require to disengage totally. Never karma sannyasa. There is sanction on the part of the scriptures that you know he is given sanction to do that. <coughs> Not sanction like those sanctions, you know. He is given permission to do that. So there is the Uparati. Alright. Om Purnamadar Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Upunapuna Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari